but in general, domestic servitude will be affecting women. Often they enter in this country legally, so either as a spouse um, or um, as a family, as a visitor coming here with a legal visa. And when you are here, you will come under the control of the person you are coming to visit. So often linked with, uh, for example, in the case of spouse, often linked with forced marriage or arranged marriage. Okay? And then, of course, it will be going alongside with any form of um, domestic abuse. There may be kind of uh, um, interaction with uh, domestic abuse and also sexual exploitation. But if we need to kind of um, separate them as a standalone, it is a crime recognized under the Modern Slavery Act. But it is a silent crime, very niche. Uh, often the woman won't be able to complain. They don't even know that it is illegal. I mean, uh, there is a law kind of that can protect them. Uh, they just assume that it is normal. Um, why? Probably part of the finding will be finding out. Okay. So um, severely affecting their mental health. And uh, uh, some of the findings, uh, part of uh, initial report that was um, produced in 2000, early 2021 by an organization called Daystag. And uh, this report, part of the findings of this report revealed that women were isolated, suffering in silence, feeling ashamed, depressed, and anxious. So different forms of um, mental mother have issues and then um, from this report uh, from the findings of the, this report which was founded by Great Manchester Police uh, under the Modern Slavery Program in Great Manchester so then that's why it led to us developing this uh, piece of research uh, having two main objectives first of all we wanted to look at the psychosocial impact of domestic servitude on the woman, and then secondly, uh, trying to find out where they could get support, uh, identifying the support if there were any outside, and then uh, themselves, then the woman part of the first report, the initial report suggested that um, it is, they would like to have kind of a support point where they can go and then uh, start uh, receiving any form of mental health support. So data collection and analysis, and um, there have been three focus group discussions um, for with 23 women in total. This is really kind of a small scale of research, um, which was funded by uh, Global Life uh, uh, here at UCLan. So, um, we, 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 23 women were included, part of the three different focus groups, and then the inclusion, inclusion, exclusion criteria, we wanted just to make sure that, that's why I'm mentioning about small scale, because we don't have money, we didn't have money for interpretation that to be able to include more women. So it was about female adult migrants, making sure that they speak English and living here in the UK. So we've excluded at that point any uh, women victims of any other forms of modern slavery 
So just trying to focus on the domestic servitudes. So um, Karen, if you can talk about the methodology. Yeah, although we had Emma speak earlier on about phenomenology, so I think you've heard quite a lot about this already. Um, we used Van Mallen's approach for this, which is slightly different than Heidegger's, but uh, I think you've probably been phenomenologied enough mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for one afternoon. <laughs> yes. Okay, this is mainly phenomenology, is um, Karen's kind of part of methodology. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm more narrative. Well, I was really privileged to go yeah. to the University of Utrecht and study under Max Van Mallen. Um, and his colleague Baz Levering from the Utrecht uh, Utrecht School of Phenomenology. So I, I sort of feel as though I owe it to them to do it well. That's how we call you the Queen of Phenomenology. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called the Queen of something. Phenomenology is okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, maybe I forgot to mention it at the beginning. This research is uh, um, part of it. It's based on the CBPR, that means uh, community-based participatory research. So we'll be involving, we'll be working directly with the community and then that's why uh, we went back to NESDAQ and then they, they've been happy with the whole recruitment yeah. process and then they've been helping us a lot in different ways as well in terms of having participants uh, uh, contributing in the research. And then um, briefly just you can see the different countries uh, where um, they were coming from. I have a demographic, um, like for the, the, the three different focus groups here. Um, like you can see the first one, they were all coming from uh, one of the local authorities, um, but you can see the diversity in terms of country of origin, but all being part of the same age range. Uh, in terms of religion, um, predominantly Muslim, uh, but we had Christians here. And then, yeah, this is uh, for the four, the second focus group. Again, it's just about showing you the diversity of, um, of the maybe the geographical area where the participants were coming from. Okay, so um, following this, these are just the headlines um, of what you're going to be going through uh, for the finding with the finding. So uh, what we've gathered is that migrant women who have been affected by domestic servitude, they are more likely to suffer psychological trauma, self-harm and depression based on the findings um, as a result of this exclusion, of course. So um, support services out there and the intervention related to domestic servitude are unknown to the woman. And then it's also probably needs further investigation of trying to find out what is out there, if there is any form of support. Women lack awareness on uh, domestic servitude as a crime in the UK, like I said before. So the first report was uh, following an awareness raising and finding out, um, trying to ask the women, do you know about domestic servitude? What do you know? Well, it was important in that way. It was really about making them speak and then based on key questions, their answers, they, they, said they, they were surprised that there was a name to put on it and that it was illegal here in the UK. So total mistrust in criminal justice and in other non-professional bodies from the woman. They don't trust the criminal justice and then they don't trust any other professional bodies like for example, um, safeguarding the adult or 
um, schools is what going to confide to the schools what will be the consequences. So just total mistrust. And then finally, um, they are calling for emotional and mental health support that would consider their ethnic background. And then again, based on the findings, it's, it's mainly like some of them may have got the opportunity, but they felt like they, they were not understood. So, um, so yeah, so these are the headlines. So uh, Karen, if you can go, because the findings, data collections uh, were carried uh, mm -hmm. by Karen, um, who will be taking you through. I can do it on here, you will. Okay. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons that I actually conducted the interviews was because I was completely independent of this. Um, Peggy has had a lot of involvement with this and some of the women previously. So I was completely fresh to this and looked at this through fresh eyes, um, through the lens of phenomenology. And of course, phenomenology, of course, leading me to the concept of being. So the, so the findings are presented in terms of being being a slave or a hostage, being a victim, being brave and courageous, being silenced and in fear, and being liberated and scarred. And I, I feel that at this point, before I actually show any of the, the words of the women, of their lived experience, which was traumatic, I really need to just give a little bit of a warning, actually, that some of this data is upsetting, you know, and if you've encountered any abuse yourself in the past, you know, you might find it triggering. So I just want to give a, a, a word of warning in order to be sensitive to people's needs. If anyone needs to leave or just close their eyes at any point, I completely understand. So I won't go through each one of these because they will be revealed through the quotes, uh, and of course PowerPoint will be made available to everybody. So let's start with being a slave. Um, I'm going to read these words. I think it's important though to say that I'm reading these words with a very English voice. These words were not spoken in a very English voice at all. And in some ways I feel like saying, perhaps you should read it instead. Would you prefer to read it or would you like me to read it out? Do you want to read, do you want to read it? it? You've already I'm read it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll read it again though. Alright. I'll move on to the next one then. I'll just read the last paragraph on this though. Mm. So they make you think they control you emotionally and then mentally. Then they make you feel that it's your duty to take care of the whole house and everything inside the house. The next is being a victim. This, I'll probably read out because it's quite small. The print is quite small, but it, it is tragic. This woman said, I mean, being subjected to heinous sexual acts and then being subjected to terrible, you know, embarrassment outside, indoors, you know, in public, everything. You just have to keep quiet because you know that otherwise the children will face the backlash of that. And you're always constantly being told, I will take your children away. You can't do anything about it. You'll never be able to see them and it's just terrible. 
It takes a lot to go through something like that and then just be quiet and pretend that everything is just fine. Just keep a smile on your face when you're hiding your scars mentally and physically and then it's really hard. Like what I was saying, who do we go to, who do we talk to because all of our doors are shut and it's done in such a way to show us that it's being done to protect us. And again, being a victim. And this woman and all of the women at some stage feared for their life and was, was living in a sense of protecting themselves, avoiding the next punch. But many were incredibly brave and courageous and all of these women that I spoke to, 23 of them, all of them were survivors and were bra more brave and courageous. I'm going to get tearful if I don't watch it. More brave and courageous than any of any any of us will ever need to be probably um, and that's the thing about phenomenology when you talk to people and you're asking them to share their experience what it is like being a person who's a victim of modern slavery they bear their soul and you're in the presence of this authentic exchange of information and it's sometimes quite hard to just stay that objective researcher that is taking it on because you're getting a subjective message and it's important to be sensitive and acknowledge the subjectivity and the personal message because phenomenology is never meant to be generalisable. It's always the one person, the one experience and that's what's precious. and being silenced and in fear. This was a really big um, section actually, because they were, fear of be they were in fear of being deported. And they were told that you know, they'd get sent back to their families, which was not going to be a good outcome for them. It would bring shame upon the family. And uh, they, they didn't know what right they had to be in the country. They, most of them didn't have their passports. They, some weren't registered with GPs. Those that were, were not allowed to go on their own. So even those that were liberated were scarred. And you know, a scar may heal, but it's always a vulnerability. How can you ever move on from something like this and not be made vulnerable? by it for the rest of your life. So I'm going to pass over to Peggy to talk about the recommendations that came through this. Yeah, so um, it is definitely a hidden type of uh, crime and uh, especially when we talk about partner and relative like we used to. Some of them have been courageous and brave enough to go and report it to the police but the police sends them back why? Because um, the perpetrator is often uh, well educated, um, have good kind of uh, middle class and all this. So, and then often at the beginning, uh, the, the woman doesn't speak English very well. So, and then get upset when she realizes that the husband is lying, and then getting upset maybe expressed in different ways and then agitating and all this. So automatically, they are the ones ending with uh, uh, order and then taking children away, or you go away because you are the one who are aggressive. They've been kind of having it to the kids, that saying to the kids that you need to repeat what I'm saying, that mom is not okay, 
become this and that. So the kids, if they are 10, 11, they are influenced. And then we have cases like that. But I mean, just briefly to say that um, that's why they said we don't trust the police. Because if we go to the police and then the police either sending us back or we lose everything while we are treated by that document, immigration, because I am the one who brought you here, you are legal, but under marriage, um, you need to spend two years together under the, the, the UK law. But if there is anything, you lose everything. So you may maybe kind of bear this for two years, and then when you want to go, the person needs to renew your documents. And then if it says, I'm not renewing your documents, so you become illegal. So many of them ended illegal while they came here illegally. So there are so many problems. We go to the social services, uh, and then they will tell you that, oh, this is a domestic abuse issue. Why I could be maybe um, victim of violence, for example, but I can still commit war, I can, you know, but then not they are controlled. So, so there are so many things that which are emergency and there is a need probably to raise more awareness on that. So uh, considering the dual aspect of emotional distress uh, described by participants, like what we are talking about, but first resulting from the abuse exploitation they are victims of, and then secondly, just what I've just mentioned now, the immigration issue. So, and then uh, we've been organizing a couple of sessions, workshops with immigration officers themselves they don't have all the answers. It's just like the policy needs to change. So uh, there is a need to scrutinize immigration policy. This is what we are talking about in relation with domestic servitude. Uh, campaign against domestic servitude and safety measure should be in place. So more awareness uh, to all stakeholders, mainly. Cultural sensitive program uh, for them as well. I mean, this was a piece of research, but they felt like it was a therapeutic as well for them. So they need spaces. Um, online training, all these have been recommendations coming from themselves um, uh, towards them, like to see out there. Training, even the communities, even before they come here, in the, uh, before they travel here, so they are aware of the differences between domestic servitude and all this. When they come here, usually they don't know nothing. So it is important to recognize as well the partner relative exploitations uh, as a form of domestic uh, slavery at the same level in terms of equity as child trafficking, sexual exploitation, which is not really recognized. And then finally, providing a platform for further research uh, on domestic servitude. And I think um, we think that this uh, research has been an innovative one. Because, um, of course, we've been looking around, uh, but there's nothing focusing only on domestic servitude and um, based on the partner relative exploitation. And then also, um, it's just like about feeding into informing uh, the existing UK policy in terms of what needs to be changed. Uh, it might seem small, but we need to start somewhere. Uh, hoping that uh, there will be some contributions. And then also identifying uh, in terms of support what is out there. And the conclusion uh, mainly is about, yes, it is important uh, to notice the mental, physical, psychological, spiritual, there is of they mentioned it as well, and the social abuse they are um, victims of. And it's very traumatizing for them. Like um, Karen was saying, even if 
you escape and then you kind of you are now kind of normal life. The man heart is still affected. Where can we get this type of help? This is still missing. So there is a clear need for further research in regards to um, domestic servitude. And then I, I put here ways forward, like a timeline of the research, the starting from the first reports that I've mentioned. This uh, research that we're talking at the moment is the second one, exploring the impact of domestic servitude. And then the third one we've started uh, back a few months ago, which is following this one. Uh, it is about in, uh, hearing silent stories of slavery. Um, it's about um, we, we, we've listened to the victims and then we are listening to the providers, service providers. Um, I'm trying to find out what is out there, but it's still in progress. Um, interesting as well in terms of the findings so far. And then finally, this was just like a small scale. We are hoping that uh, there are still scope for larger scale, like national level. Thank you. Okay, so we have still got a little bit of time for questions, if anybody's got any for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not so much a question, just a comment really. I just think it's such such a hidden area. And so obviously these women and their children going through is just like just like absolutely like unthinkable. So I think it's just to say thank you to both of you for actually doing this research and you know, putting yourselves, you know, in front of these women and kind of like fighting fighting their cards. Thank you. But they were incredibly brave to talk. To, to, I mean, they didn't know me. You know, we when we talk about nursing interventions, mental health interventions, we talk all the time about therapeutic relationship and building a relationship with the person you're working with. When you're a researcher, you're usually a stranger to that person. And they, this is a, a population of women who don't trust strangers. Really, so I did feel incredibly privileged that they did speak to me and very openly and authentically. And really, it was thanks to Nestak and, and Peggy that the fact that they did do that. And you know, we relied very heavily upon our third sector organisations in, in order to facilitate research like this because they're the, the, they're the people that managed to foster the trust. Research, yeah. uh, like kind of data collection online, helped as well because they could hide yeah. behind the. We allowed them not to put the cameras on, yeah. so they didn't put the cameras on, and they also didn't put their names. They, they just changed it. I with, uh, yeah. So some of them, right at the end, after they'd spoken to me for an hour and I switched off the recording, some of them switched their cameras on and said hello and thank you, and that was really nice. When I saw the faces, you know, it just. It was really quite upsetting, to be fair. I think it helped me to stay strong when I was talking to them because I couldn't see their faces. There's so much that, that a face tells you. Yeah. I think it's quite harrowing that you can be coming to a country through maybe marriage or maybe a relative um, has asked you to come over. And this is what happens. And I, I don't think this is a new thing. No. I think this has been going on for such a long time. 
and it makes me think, um, albeit not quite sane, about when I was involved with the refuge, the domestic refuge mm -hmm. in, in Preston, and I met a young, this is over 10 years ago, I met a young, she was Polish, and she was over here with her partner, and she had two children, two babies under two, and I saw her when she was beaten up um, that particular day at a creative um, workshop, um, and he punched her eyes out, uh, and that was only what we could see. Um, but domestic violence, um, of course it happens to men as well, we mustn't forget that, but That's true, and, and the really sad thing about these women is no matter what their injuries, they just had to keep quiet oh, yeah. and stay indoors. And yes. they, 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 many of them didn't know who they could even go to or who they could trust, and that they feared worse than that if they did tell somebody. I think also that it is that's why we are looking at my family. It has been there for, for a long time. However, nobody really talks about it. But also, it is you want to detangle this with domestic violence and domestic abuse, and this is uh, what this is what the research that we are doing at the moment, because there's so much confusion. So when you are brought here uh, just to do domestic calls, um, maybe sleeping just four hours at night, you need to do everything not only for your own household, but you need to do it as well for the husband's relatives. So you are a domestic, like a slave, so you can do different houses, or you can leave the house while your husband is getting on a big even including in your matrimonial bed. So um, it's, it's far more complex. In terms of emotional abuse, it's so high. And then on top of that, then you will be having domestic uh, violence, like physical violence, or you may so uh, we want just to make sure that, first of all, there is an understanding that we can separate domestic servitude from the other ones, although they can go along. The policy is there. It needs to work for everybody. So um, there are policies as well for the domestic abuse and other forms of abuse as well. So thank I think you. It, if it could be highlighted, you know, more so, because um, you switch on the TV and you see all sorts of things that are in, you know, I don't know about Emma Dale, I don't watch that, but you know, whatever it is, um, these different programs, so that there becomes more knowledge about it uh, and understanding. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what we're hoping to do. Yeah, yeah but that's it's comes all the time. It's yeah, but you need to get to the writers, you know, to sort of Yeah, I think it comes all the time. The most important thing is the policy first. It happens back to, I remember, 2008 until uh, we had the, for example, female genital mutilation, there was already an act, but it wasn't due. But since 2015, when they reviewed the bill, and you can see the difference, talking about the media, we are seeing more and more kind of uh, documentaries or, you know, uh, programs on the TV about that particular. So it's it, the more we raise awareness, the more uh, we show evidence, I think, yeah, change will be coming for the day. Are the police fit for purpose? Uh, uh, interestingly, 
it was the police. Uh, the first uh, the first report was funded by the police because they started gathering information, but they were not too sure. So I think they are willing to see the change. However, and at the first stage is uh, education for themselves as well, because the senior may kind of spot this out, but they need to escalate it and like bring it down to a full kind of education. And also our second, the, the follow-up of this one, um, I think the police is involved. They yeah, were they kids were, yeah, they were to be part of the, the yeah, the fo one of the focus group as well. Um, but they don't know how to approach this because they need to bind with the existing policies. So they are happy to contribute as well so that change may come at some point. I should feel I should mention that it's four o'clock. Of course, we started a little bit late because of, of one thing or another. Are you okay for, for time? You know, if you feel you have to go, well, just go. So, um, I don't want to leave it as this burning question, and Angela, you seem to have one. So. <laughs>
flight from one city to another at the moment in long term. Yeah, this is domestic violence. That's why I'm saying it's important yeah. to differentiate because we don't have such policies yet for them. It doesn't exist yet. I think it's also important to mention that many of these women have been told that this is their role under their religion. Because if you, know, you will have noticed there were 23 participants, 21 of those were Muslim. And of course, we all know that it is not in keeping with the Muslim religion to treat people like that. But it is, it's couched in that. Um, and I mean, you, you're doing some training there, and I think you're calling it, it's not cultural, it's criminal. Yeah, <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. Because it's um because they're told it's, it's standard for their Yeah, it's more than religion. It's a culture. Yeah. Tradition. Yeah. It's just like um, the way most of the things where they're coming from yeah. the upbringing is just like as a woman, this is what you're going to do. So as a woman you cannot complain even if the husband is um, not is wrong. So you need to accept. So they tend to accept too much yeah. until they wait a minute. This is too much. But what yeah. can I do? But effectively, the perpetrators are abusing and exploiting the culture. Yeah. And immigration. To, to yeah, to abuse the But I feel we should stop just yeah. because of the time. Um, and uh, thank you all. For